Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Believe in Everything Auburn is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your college basketball betting this season, just in time for March Madness. Get analysis of every play, prop, and point at betonline.com. You'll find the latest odds, bracket contests, team matchups, and game trends at Bet Online. Updated odds for everything from live games, the conference championships, right through to the Final Four and championship game. BetOnline is your college basketball headquarters. Head to their website today or use your mobile device to sign up and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit if you use our promo code BELIEVE, that is B-L-E-A-V, to receive that 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. War Eagle, everybody. (laughs) Welcome back to Believe in Everything Auburn. Taylor Davis and Jason Campbell here with you, as always, ready to break down everything Auburn athletics. It is spring break, people. Uh, Remember the days when you got a spring break? I miss it. So Uh, no spring break for us here on the podcast, though, because there's always something to talk about. Of course, at the forefront is basketball as the Tigers will begin the SEC tournament play tonight. It's actually game day for us recording this. Not sure when you guys are listening to this, but the Tigers are beginning their quest for a potential SEC tournament championship. Definitely an uphill battle, but crazier things have happened. So we're going to talk about all that, catch up on a few other news and notes around the Plains. It'll really just be a catch-up episode, and then our goal is to get back into some interviews next week. So make sure you stick with us. We also say this every now and then, but real talk, find us on social media, at TaylorBethDavis, at JCam17. Where is there an underscore? Yes, on Twitter is jcam underscore one seven, and okay. then on IG is jcampbell one seven. Okay, jcampbell one seven on IG. If no. you have any specific requests for us, whether it's interviews or topics you want us to talk about, this time of year it can really be collaborative with the listeners. So if y'all have a topic or a debate or an interview that y'all would like us to dive into please let us know on social media because we absolutely want to um, get y'all involved and try and bring whatever reality that y'all want to hear about to the podcast. So make sure you do that. But Jay, it's game day and a big one at that for Auburn with, you know, March Madness hope still alive. And obviously the SEC has been a bit of an unpredictable conference this season uh, on the basketball front and Auburn certainly falls under that umbrella. The team we saw to start the season versus the team they kind of became a a little ways through really emphasized in those close games. And you Mm -hmm. know that this tournament is going to be full of them. So let's dive in. What are you expecting for Auburn, the number seven seed in the SEC tournament, starting out against the 10 seed in Arkansas? Ooh, this is going to be a tough game. You know, Arkansas has kind of had Auburn's number over the last uh, two years. Yeah. I think we're one and three against Arkansas. Uh, but when you think about it overall, uh, you know, I, I think this is a great matchup for Auburn because if you can beat the win this game tonight, then you get an A&M team that broke your 28 home game winning streak at home. And you get a revenge game. And uh, so, yes, we're on the harder side of the bracket. But at the same time, 
this is a game that Auburn needs to win. I understand we got the 20 wins. I understand that, you know, I think that got us in the tournament. But you want to continue to improve and update your resume. And you don't want to be an 11 seed or a 13 seed. If you can get to eighth or ninth seed by having a good show in the tournament, uh, I, I think this I think this helps. And yeah. you know, you know Arkansas has a lot of a lot of confidence. You know, they have a lot of people respect their program. They played a tough schedule this year. They started a season off playing a tough schedule. And you know, I think somewhere their net ranked is like 16. And so that goes to show you they're still a really good basketball team. They lost some close games, but this is a game that I think our outside shooting is going to have to be on. Uh, you know, we played a Tennessee team where, you know, we was able to hit some outside shots, but we was able to keep that game close. And then we did the opposite of what's happened to us in a couple of games that's been really close is we giving away games. You know, this time we was able to put the pedal to the metal, finish the game, put the gas on the and the pressure on Tennessee make them have to make some tough shots down the stretch. And our guys was getting to the basket. And uh, like I said, Wendell Green had a, a really good game. You know, Williams, he does a really good job of shooting the ball. He hits those timely shots, those time threes. And, you know, people don't really pay attention to that, but he had, but he does. And I think Flanagan, he, you know, he was in attack mode last mm -hmm. game. So I think if we can continue to, to pressure and attack and get more out of KD, KD is kind of up and down from an offensive standpoint. <laughs> KD is my defensive guy. If yeah. I put KD in the game, I said, your number one thing is to stop their best score from a three-point shooter, like to stop their best shooter. Like we're not worried about your points as much, but if you can get to the basket, get to the basket. But your priority, number one, is to play defense. Right. I do feel KD, golly, he's just become <laughs> such an anomaly for this program, you know, because right. – you have games where you're like this. I mean, it's talked about so often. He is a bull in a China shop. Like you just don't know. He gets kind of erratic on the floor. And sometimes that can be very unnerving. And you're like, these games are too close for reckless play. And sometimes his play can be a little reckless. But then he comes up with these clutch shots, these crazy plays. And he is the energy for this team. Like the, the whole persona of the team shifts when he's on the court and so you can't not give him the opportunity but sometimes you just scratch your head and you're like oh, KD but right. I mean what a what a fun player he's been to watch I I mean Zeb Jasper has been great I, I mean I think defensively I think how he has come in and and really kind of taken to his own role obviously what Wendell has been is obvious but I think that Zepp has really kind of found his place as well and and look it's going to be all hands on deck I think what you and I have talked about in the past few weeks is that this team isn't that one star this team doesn't have that one big name that guaranteed shooter so this has to be a team effort I know that sounds like a dumb statement but we've talked about the difference that teams with a Jabari, you know, games can be different if you have that. And this team, it's all hands on deck. And and for this Arkansas game in particular, look, they're a very good defensive team as well. So shots are going to be contested. That's their that's their nature of play as well. There's honestly a lot of similarities between the two. The both coaches have coached well into NCAA tournaments. They've been, you know, in these situations before. And like you said, a, a bit of a rivalry has developed between these two. So I think it's going to take everyone's best play and playing with that cohesion because you don't have that fallback of just a lights out shooter. 
Oh, yeah. These games always come down to the wire. I was watching all the tournament games today. I was watching just St. John and um, and Marquette uh, just before we got on. And, you know, I'm just watching these, just watching tournament. It seems like tournament play, everybody just raises their level it's up different. a notch. And I'm just, I ask myself sometimes, where was this level during the season? You know, I know because, because, it's kind of like two minute drills in football or two minute right. offense, you know, when everyone drives down the field and you're like, why the frick haven't you been able to score all day, <laughs> but two minutes left. Yeah. It just almost seems like when pressure's on the line and you have to win or go home, mm-hmm. it seems like everybody gets gritty, you yeah. know, that extra fight for the loose ball, the extra, you know, defensive play, they need a defensive stop. You know, you, you go the extra mile to make sure you stay in front of a guy. So I always like SEC tournament. I always look forward to it. Uh, this year, it's a little bit different than us last year. Last year, we was a one seed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we didn't go into the tournament playing as well. This year, we're actually playing a little bit better coming off a Tennessee game. Like, let's face it. We played better in the last couple of games. We just haven't been and able to close a lot of them. Yeah. So that's my confidence in this basketball team is that if we we're able to close a lot of those close games, which I hope we learned a lot, that when we do get in tournament play, it benefits us because we're used to it. It's not like, oh, we haven't played a lot of close games. That's been our narrative this year, right. is close games. So I think uh, this team is ready to roll. I look forward to seeing what they do, to, do tonight against Arkansas at 6 p.m. Uh, it's going to be rocking and rolling. It will like be. I said, you know, nothing's ever easy, but I just think stopping their guard, uh, Blank, I think is his last name, um, Arkansas's guard. You know, he he's a key to what they what they do offensively. You know, he's a he's a really good point guard and you know he's has a high IQ level. And I just think, you know, swapping at KD KD and and probably switching Flanagan on him. Uh, yeah. you know, just uh because I just think Wendell, you you don't want to wear Wendell out because you're gonna need him late in games. Down the stretch. You know, right. You're gonna need him. So, you know, I'm putting Flanagan and I'm putting uh KD Johnson on, on him. Yeah. I think Anthony Black is what I have. Yeah, black is yeah, black, yeah. Anthony Blank, yeah. Him as well as Nick Smith Jr. Those are kind of their two big names. Now, Nick Smith missed a large chunk of the season with injury, but he is back. They've kind of worked him in. Um, It hasn't necessarily been the most seamless addition working him back in. I think they've only been two and three since he's been back, but definitely have star power, definitely have guys who who know how to play in games like this. So uh, I think it's going to be a really good matchup. I, I actually... I mean, look, it, any of them are going to be tough at this point, especially being kind of in that middle tier. Everyone's kind mm-hmm. of similar in that regard. But I I, I feel like it, we're in a good situation. Starting out with Arkansas, the winner of that one plays Texas A&M. Like, it does kind of feel like it's more favorable than what some, some of the options could have been for a path through the weekend. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Like you said, six o'clock central, we are a one and a half point underdog at this point, but one and a half points. I mean, that just shows how close everyone expects this one to be. So make sure you tune in and cheer them on. And then hopefully there will be more games this weekend to follow them through. It would be Arkansas's 20th win of the season. We have clinched that, but it would be Arkansas's 20th. They finished their regular season on a three game losing streak. Um, And obviously the Tigers pulled off the home win over Tennessee at home on Saturday. And the fact that we've already been there just a couple of weeks ago, I think kind of bodes well for the guys to return back to Nashville and understand that, hey, you know, there's a lot at stake here, but we're prepared for this game and we're going to have the, the crowd there. Like this could be a great weekend for Auburn. 
And so they just got to go up there and just, you know, play relaxed. Don't play tight, but play smart basketball. We can't have all the early turnovers. We can't get in foul trouble. Uh, you know, hopefully Dylan is healthy enough to play uh, to give Bruin a break when he needs yeah. one and we not miss a beat because we saw his presence being lost in the Tennessee game. Um, so you do need those guys. I wish they would play play them together sometimes just yeah. you know, for a small, small time. But we haven't seen that yet all year. I wonder if Bruce would pull that out. Um, so, you know, let's just keep our eyes open. But I think this is going to be a great atmosphere for Auburn. Yeah, you're right. I, I definitely agree. Yeah, Dylan has been practicing this week. I expect he's going to be able to go. How limited he'll be, restrictions on time, I'm not sure. But he has been back at practice, which is promising. Very excited for that one and the weekend to come. I will ask you, though, Jay, if it's – we'll just say take Auburn out of it. Who would you predict comes away with the SEC tournament championship? Oh, man, besides Auburn – Besides Auburn, Auburn is not an option for you. I'll make it. Mm. If Auburn's not an option, I'll probably go with, I can't even believe I'm saying this. Don't do it. Dang, Calipari and Kentucky. Oh, wait, that's what I was going to say. I thought you were going to say Alabama, and that's why you didn't. Oh, no, 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 no. You don't think? Not because of everything that happened at Alabama, Mm -hmm. but because I watched their last few games. Auburn should have beat them. 100%. I think uh, there was two other teams that had them. Did Arkansas beat them? Arkansas, no, Arkansas should have beat them. Arkansas did. A&M beat them. A&M beat them, and Arkansas should have beat them. A lot of their last couple of games have become really, really close. So I'm thinking they're feeling a lot of the pressure. Some of it could be Mm -hmm. off-court stuff, but – Good point. You know, but uh, I think a lot of it is for me is just, you know, Kentucky sometimes have a way of showing up in tournament. They do. And, you know, they've done it for years in the SEC. Even when it wasn't projected to go past the second round, they made it to the finals. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, I, I, would, I would say Kentucky. What All about right. you? I'm with you there. Kentucky was my pick, um, especially after beating us by 30 something. I'm just going to say that that's it. <laughs> okay. Quick recap of what baseball has been up to, just so everyone is aware. A come-from-behind win versus Jacksonville State yesterday. A win over UAB on Tuesday. And they will host Southeastern Louisiana this Friday through Sunday. A Georgia Tech matchup on Tuesday. And then they finally begin conference play. They will be heading to Fayetteville to play Arkansas next weekend. And we get into SEC play. And hopefully they'll have something to brag about because our basketball team will have taken them down this week. Also, gymnastics, the final home meet of the season is tomorrow night in Neville Arena. I know all the students are gone for spring break. So if you are in and around the Auburn area, this is the last home meet for SUNY Lee and Darion Goborn and so many girls that have poured into this program and accomplished incredible things so if you are nearby make sure you go support the team they will be hosting Penn State and then the SEC championship will be next weekend for gymnastics as well and that will be in Duluth Georgia I just can't believe it that much time has gone by that fast that gosh so I know they're not seniors but they're getting ready to go you know to compete for the Olympus. So well, Darion is actually a fifth year. So she, she is she's year, been okay. there for a long time. But SUNY, yeah, this is her sophomore season for all intents and purposes. Yeah. But she is foregoing the rest of her college eligibility to pursue the 2024 Olympics in Paris. So uh for her to do that, this has to be her last 
year with NCAA, which is heartbreaking. But if you want to go check her out at Neville Arena, tomorrow is your last chance to do that. So make sure you go. Okay, let's talk about the combine and just kind of where things stand for football. Again, no spring practice this week because everyone is on spring break. But at the point that we had talked last week, they had had two practices. They were going to be in pads again on Friday. The first scrimmage will be next week when they get back from spring break. But I mean, Jay, you you certainly stay involved. You're you're well connected. Are you hearing anything coming out of spring ball? Anything that um, kind of excites you about how this team is is approaching spring? A lot of things excite me. Uh, one is the fan base seem to be intrigued. Um, Very. You know, that's that's one thing. The other thing is the players. The roster has changed a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, people don't realize, you know, we lost, you know, Tank Bisbee. We lost, you know, Derek Hall. We lost Kobe Wooden. We lost Echo Leota. We lost Owen Papo. So you're talking about experienced guys that have gone through a lot here in their Auburn career sure. over four years. Um, so when you think about replacing those guys, you look at our defensive front, Justin Rogers, Lawrence Johnson, Mosea Kite, uh, Elijah McAllister. And you look at our linebacker core, Austin Keys, Demario Tolan. You know, that's, you know, that's like seven new guys right there that, that you're going right. to see on that side of the ball. Then offensively, everyone's excited about you have two big receivers. You have a guy, Camden Brown. And then you have Nick Martin, who sits, sits, experienced receiver from Cincinnati. And then you throw in Javaris Johnson, you throw in Malcolm Johnson, uh, Malcolm Johnson Kelly, uh, just Malcolm. <laughs> and then you throw, <laughs> so you have talent all over the field, but then you look at the backfield, Jarquez. You know, and you get the the batty kid from from South Florida. Mm -hmm. So you already have Demario Austin on the roster. So this thing is about to get really, really amped up. And spring ball, 15 practices is not enough. Uh, They was able to get a couple in before they went on spring break. Everyone's on spring break this week, relaxing. When they come back, they have two more weeks to get going. Mm-hmm. And everything's going to rev up a little bit. And you notice I haven't said anything about the quarterbacks. And I know everyone wants to hear about the quarterbacks. I feel like from that standpoint, that's always gets attention. But yeah. there's other positions I feel like this year that's going to be pivotal in us winning and and, and being success. Uh, right. I really think our offensive line that was revamped is going to pay a viable, a viable role uh, this year. And the four guys we picked up in the portal and, um, so I just think, you know, with Too Tall and Avery Johnson, Avery Jones, and, you know, I got Gunnar Britton and then, you know, Dylan Wade from Tulsa that came over with Coach Montgomery. So we have three big tackles, and one will probably end up playing guard. Avery mm-hmm. Jones will be the center, experienced center that we was able to get from Illinois commit. So we have experienced guys that are new, but they're not freshmen. They're not sophomores. Right. Right. They're juniors. They're seniors. So – I'm excited to see what happens. Quarterback situation will iron itself out as we continue. We'll probably break that down on the next episode because we need to see more. I need to hear more. Uh, but from that standpoint, everyone's locked and loaded. And Coach Freeze is one voice, and it's not multiple voices. And uh, people, that I can tell that we would not finish last in the West. They did that to us baseball-wise last year, and we ended up in Omaha. Oh, so, right. you know, So let that drive you and not deflate you. Yeah, absolutely. I think that comes with the territory of so much newness is just a lack of expectation. And that's fine as long as the team has high expectations for themselves, which we are already seeing that they do. 
and guys that also have high expectations for themselves are the guys that will be pursuing the NFL in this year's draft. A few of them had the opportunity to go out to Indy this past week for the combine and just a few results out of that one. So we did have six guys attend, but Eku Leota and Anders Carlson did not participate in drills, but they were interviewed by reps for various teams. So that is what they did. But we do have some quotes and different stats that have come out about the four guys that did participate in drills. And of course, as expected, the one getting a lot of praise and a lot of hype is Derek Hall. We have talked about just the expectation of of his fit in the NFL and and how his stock has risen. And he just continues to take advantage of opportunities like he did the Senior Bowl. And now he is done with the Combine. He is now in a bunch of mock drafts projected in the first round, 31st overall pick to Kansas City, which would be interesting. Yes. He apparently had a an interview with Andy Reid while he was at the Combine and spoke very highly of the conversation that he had with him and the staff. Um, okay, let's go ahead and talk about a few quotes that came out about these guys, and I'll, I'll get you to kind of add your take on what people are seeing on these guys. Okay, we'll start with Tank Bigsby. Quote, runs with a nice blend of elusiveness and power can quickly process movements of the defense. Fumbling has been a concern in the past, and he might not be much help on third downs or special teams. His size, creativity, and quickness could create an opportunity for teams to pair Bigsby with another back to form an effective tandem in a zone scheme rushing attack. Thoughts? Well, that's pretty much what the NFL is nowadays. It's a a two-back system. You very rarely see one running back being a workhorse. You know, I I probably think of one, you know, Saquon Barkley right now. Ah, that's good. And Henry, Derrick Henry from Tennessee. But everybody else is pretty much running back by committee. Um, One thing about about Tank is you did see last year he didn't play a lot on third downs uh, because Jacquez, they feel like was the better blocker. So, you know, that's something that he's going to have to continue to improve on and uh, like I said, and taking care of the football, you know, those are things that they they watch. I always say, you know, your eye test, you can pass that, but they always still go back to the film. And like I said, Tank is still young. Everyone got to realize he left out this junior season. So he still is in a great stage of development and uh, growing. So, you know, I think him paired up with the right team, you know, like a Cincinnati Bengals, I think would be a great spot for him. Mm. Um, I, I can see he'll fit into that offense and having some success. Yeah. Okay, I like it. On to Derek Hall. Quote, explosive and long, Hall plays with a rugged demeanor and puts his traits to work as an assertive power rusher capable of putting offensive tackles in reverse. He tends to lack consistency when forced to read and react in the run game, and his rush approach is predictable with charges down the fairway. Thoughts. Well, this to me, this this puts Derek in a really good situation with Kansas City. It does. Uh, I say that because Kansas City plays in the AFC. When you're facing Josh Allen and Buffalo, who throws the football, you're facing Joe Burrow with uh, Cincinnati, who throws the football. The only rushing team is Lamar Jackson in Baltimore, but you really don't understand where they are with a contract right now. Yeah. And then Pittsburgh still is the other rushing team, and they're still trying to figure out what they have from their young quarterback. So mm-hmm. you're gearing up to put him in a division where it's not about stopping a run. It's about getting out to the passer That's and getting it. sacks. And that's why Buffalo brought in Bun Miller last year was for that reason. And then fortunately he got hurt before the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So they end up losing to who? Cincinnati because they couldn't get the Joe Burrow. 
So you get a guy like Derrick Hall to push back tackles in the backfield to make the quarterback step up into your defensive line to get the sack. So I I do like him in in Kansas City as as well as uh, another passing team that throws the ball a lot, maybe like the Chargers. Mm, I like that take a lot. I I definitely agree with you there. And of course, other notables that were mentioned about him were – character, effort, things that we have certainly known. And he showcased that through the entirety of his college career, whether his team was thriving or not, that is what you will get in a D hall. I I think he will do very well at the next level. Owen Papo, impressive again with effort, impressive effort, undersized struggles to leverage the gaps and take on climbing blockers effectively. So a move to will linebacker should allow him to play more run and chase run and chase, which suits him. Doesn't look like an NFL starter, but third down and special teams potential will give him an initial shot at a backup role. Thoughts? Well, when you base it off size, you think about the NFL, it is a 17-game season and three preseason games. So you're talking about 20 games that, you know, size doesn't matter in some positions. And Mm -hmm. the thing about Owen, he ran one of the fastest times at the combine. uh, So that he showcased his speed and his agility, which helps him when it comes to the passing game and in the NFL, which has become a more pass-happy league. Mm -hmm. I would have said 10 years ago, it would have been hard for him because it would have been more run downhill. You got to take on these big linemen and big backs. But now with the way that it's a passing lead, it's opened up a lot of doors for linebackers like him that can flow from sideline to sideline. So I think with him going to wheel linebacker, he's going to have a great chance to make someone's roster. And it may have to come off special teams from the from the start. But then initially it can move on over where it becomes him playing on third downs and then working his way up to being an every down linebacker. So, you know, it's just predicated on what team what uh, and what their roster looks like. Right. And again, with the effort and the character, I think that those guys certainly showcase that at the forefront and what he has been for Auburn won't be overlooked, as well as the fact that he did miss a substantial amount of time with injury. And we talk about how that limits the tape that guys have on him, but that also does have an impact on your physicality. The amount of time that he had out of the weight room, away from drills, like continued time and effort and and into a strength and conditioning program in the league. I mean, that'll just add on. Um, But yeah, like you mentioned, he actually was one of the event's top overall performers, a 4.39 second 40, which was the best among all linebackers that were at the combine. And finally, Colby Wooden, quote, he has a quick first step to attack gaps and threaten the pocket, but he's unable to sit down and drop a deep anchor against bullies in the run game. Wooden's activity level and hand skill are the keys to his current and future success. They allow him to keep pressure on blockers from snap to whistle. High football character and scheme versatility could make Wooden a day two selection and future starter with above average interior rush potential. I think he came away with it with the most, I mean, like, all of these guys have positive feedback and and things out there about him. I think that Colby came away from the combine with an increase in positive feedback coming out about him. I think people were still kind of like, where's this guy fit? What's this guy's strength? Like a little bit of questions about him. He came away from the combine with a lot of praise, a lot of increased intrigue in him, which is the position you want to be in coming out of the combine. 
Yeah, it's different for Kobe. Kobe has a lot of size and uh as people say, meat and potatoes. So, <laughs> you know, he's able to get in there and uh and get and get in with the big guys and be physical. So for him, it definitely fits him like a Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, you know, mm. a team that that runs a defense that, you know, it's not all about getting out the passer because you have that other guy on the other side that can do that already. Uh JJ Watt. I mean JJ Watt's brother, TJ Watt. You know, yeah. you have him. So you need someone on the other side that can kind of sheer up you know, that side as far as like maybe not being a, a every down rush, but your first and second down as a run stopper. And then you can bring in someone on third down to rush the passer. So Kobe's in a good situation. Even the Tennessee Titans may be a good spot for him as well. So at yeah. this point, Jay, when you're coming off the combine and you get feedback like that, do you do anything with it? Like, do you do you go to whoever you're training with at this point with those specific elements? Do you start really trying to crank those out before your pro day? Or what do you do with that as a player? Is it more for scouts or, or do the players do something with it? Well, the most important thing is not a lot is going to change between now and draft day that you can do from a workout standpoint. Uh, most most teams are going to draft you off what they see off tape and all of those things that we was going through when you talk about it was basically off what they see on film um you know and everything so that's what they're already already have gathered only thing you could do is help yourself in a workout is just showing your agility a little bit faster your speed a little bit faster than what they probably could have thought it was some guys play faster on film than they do in workouts some guys do fashion workouts and they play on film uh and i think it's just it's already slotted where you're kind of going to be drafted now you can help yourself maybe like all you gotta do is blow one team out the water but most part is like hey i know you may be kind of in the middle on me and not sure you want to kind of take me but not sure but maybe your your character that you show in those interview meetings maybe they give you an opportunity to hey i hit it off with that coach and that gm really well and maybe they leave there impressed with you and want to give you an opportunity when your name is called. So I do think a lot of these guys have to be receptive to, to certain criticism, not look at it as, you know, oh, I'm a bad player. No, you're getting a chance to play the national football league, which yeah. a lot of kids don't ever get that chance because you are an exceptional athlete. So just take some of those things they say and try to work on them. But these are not geniuses as well. They miss all the time you know, and everything. So what people don't realize is I tell people all the time, I played in the NFL. A lot of times it's about the fit and where you're at. If you get on a program that's that's a losing uh, franchise and, you know, and it's just a revolving door, it is extremely hard to showcase yeah. and, and everything. But if you end up in teams like Kansas City, teams that's been good for years i'm not talking about just in and out but good for consistently years like you take philadelphia for example jalen hurts jalen got a great surrounding cast and it gave him time to develop to catch mm -hmm. up with some of the stuff they was doing but some guys get thrown into a bad situation where you don't have that surrounding cast and you don't have time to play catch up and you're in and out of there very quickly so i think these guys just need to put their all down there work extremely hard and not get caught up in emotionally and don't worry about all the stuff you can't control. And I think they'll be in good shape and don't let the draft, whether you're drafting the first round, seven round or undrafted, don't let that dictate your future or yeah. mess with your confidence because at the end of the day, you know, this, I know this, 
it is a business. And I tell these guys all the time, it's not going to be like college. Like <laughs> it is a business. So, yeah. you know, don't, don't let your feelings get caught up. All, why they didn't take me in this round? What don't, mm -mm, it's a business. Yes. You say that every year around this time. It's, it's <laughs> something that you really care about because you're absolutely right. It doesn't, it doesn't dictate how you're going to perform in the league. Right. It doesn't tell the full story of what you're going to accomplish because how many guys have we seen get drafted first five picks that have, don't become anything, you know, right. and, and the opposite can be true too. Several free agents end up with eight year careers. So um, it's definitely about what you do with the opportunity that you're granted, not just the opportunity. So all of those guys will do it. I will say this, though. The one guy that has to have a real important pro day is Echo Leota. Yeah. And he hasn't been able to show much. He hasn't been able to show much. And he went to the he went to the senior bowl. Mm -hmm. but he missed the last, what, four to five games of the season. Yeah. So how much football shape were you in? You know what I'm saying? And, right. and, and I think Carson is another one. Uh, I think as far as kicking, because I think he kicked unhealthy all year. I don't think yeah. he was ever fully healthy. So. I just think those two guys have more to show on pro day than the others. You're right. Especially since they didn't get the opportunity to show anything at the combine. Now those relationships, those interviews, the networking component of the combine is certainly valuable, but you're right. There, there is more for them to show at pro day just because of how their last couple of months have been individually. So but nonetheless, <laughs> with that, we will say goodbye here on believe in everything Auburn. As always, we greatly appreciate you guys listening and following along. We are going to start adding some variety. We're going to change a few things up. So make sure you stay tuned, stick with us for exciting changes that are coming. And like we said at the beginning, make sure you hit us up on social media so that you can be involved in the structure of our show as well. So everyone have a fantastic week. Enjoy the SEC tournament this weekend. We'll be back next week to break it all down. As always, War Eagle. War Eagle. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.